Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 103, for Monday, August 24th, 2020. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixlriffs, and joining me, as always, is Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel! Hello, sir, and if you, kind listener, are interested in hearing about other things outside of Minecraft, like GDQ, Baba is You, speedrunning, Xbox controllers, and my hike last Thursday, you should listen to The Render Distance, which you can get at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks by becoming a member it is the extended version of the podcast where johnny and i warm up every week talk with our live chat about all the fun th stuff that we've done on the weekend and now we are warmed up uh <laughs> are we warming up more in the nether this week have you been back to the nether joel or are you uh, uh nope. he heading into other dimensions freezing my butt off in the end <laughs> mm. <laughs> i just imagine the end is very cold yeah if, if not if not it's certainly not a warm place no uh, it's not icy but uh, it's certainly not a warm place and uh i actually i decided to get out of uh the nether for a bit and uh i think i was i don't want to say forcing myself but i was basically like doing it because it seemed like the thing to do with the nether update it seems like a lot of people are building in the nether kind of what people expect when they come to your channel on twitch um, but I was getting kind of, um, not bored with it. I was just frustrated by it. Um, and I guess one of the other things was that, uh, because I was dealing with such a dangerous build because me have chosen to dig under lava lake, not the smartest decision. Uh, I've died a lot on stream and it's getting to the point now where it was taking me a long time to get back up to speed. Our ender ender has been in need of an upgrade for a while so i decided to tackle that on the stream this weekend and it was fun because it was a very technical build very different from what i was doing lately wildly different colors because i've decorated it in magenta and black so it's mm -hmm. it's like a neon uh tron um festivity uh for the for the ender ender um but basically the issue was that uh even though it functioned very well uh it was slow the endermen were not one hit kills when you reached them uh at the kill chamber and so you'd have to sit there and constantly click which i felt monotonous uh and a little bit boring uh as i was um gearing back up uh so i've uh, taken the opportunity to raise the platform up to uh 39 um blocks above the kill chamber so now that you can punch them with a piece of chicken and they're done mm -hmm. uh or you can use a sweeping edge sword and so it's it's much faster for you the user um it was a lot of fun had to refresh my memory on how this farm worked because i built it i think before uh, would would have been after 113 but only just yeah i recall uh, you talking about it on the podcast for a little while yeah uh you can actually go back i'll have the links in the show notes but i, I i've done videos on the creation of the farm it was back on episode 80 80 79 80 and 81 i think uh are, are the episode numbers for me on on youtube so you can watch the basic uh, creation of it and then, of course the vods on twitch for the the raising of the platform um i was hoping to keep both platforms and be able to switch between the two depending on what your needs were uh forgetting of course that the the fall shoot would have to travel through the same location so i'd have to make three different kill chambers for three different platforms if i wanted to do it that way i may still do that but right now the only flaw which you can see in the in the thumbnail is that um i tried to keep the original spawning platform which is fine it's lit up so it's not going to spawn anything but uh it uh is, a, is something that they can teleport to when they take damage so 
you get some Enderman being stuck and it kind of messes with your with your spawn rate. So mm -hmm. I have to remove the second platform. I thought I was going to be able to keep the low one, but I can't. Um, but it was fun. It was fun to mess around with the mechanics. It was fun to refresh my memory. Uh, as with many things, it took a lot less time to build the second time around than it did the first time. Yeah. Um, so that was that was good. I didn't have to come up with anything. I just had basically had to mirror the design and take it up. So no color choices. I just had to echo everything. Um, the, the thing that took the longest, honestly, was trying to get the Endermite to spawn it always uh, is. Endermites are tricky, and I think the one of the biggest problems is making sure they get name tagged and then get in a minecart means inevitably there's just some like running around after you've spawned one, just waiting for the thing yeah. to to get in the right place and hoping there's no Endermen around that are immediately going to walk over and kill it. Yeah, that part actually didn't take very long. I uh, skillfully, quote unquote, uh, lured it. It was trying to track me around the edge of the little pit that I had made, so I mm -hmm. just kind of lured it to walk into the minecart, and it totally did it first try. So I was like, oh, I meant to do it that way, yeah. sure. Uh, but I got to give a shout out to Honey Change, one of the people in my community who came up with a name for the Endermite, because uh, we were not sure how this was going to play out. So the name for the Endermite is I Might Work. And you can imagine <laughs> how might is yeah, yeah, spelled. Yeah. Um, that's it for me. I mean, nothing else has really changed. Um, I had to kind of ignore a lot of comments from people saying like, what? how come you're not making it down by the zero level so it's the most efficient farm ever? And I was like, because I don't want the most efficient farm. I want the fastest farm <laughs> yeah. for me, the user. And so there was a lot of that. Um, but um, it's it's one of those things that it's just nice to have that flexibility at endgame to kind of like, you know, do things as you as you use it over the course of several weeks, you realize, hmm, this needs an improvement for my for the user experience. It's not just technically the best. It's we need to adjust it for what our needs are on the server, and mm -hmm. that was a fun a fun adjustment to make. What have you been up to? Uh, I've updated the Minecraft Survival Guide world to one point sixteen point two, uh, which now has an Optifine pre-release out. Um, I've been keeping Skyblock on one sixteen one for replay mod. Uh, but hopefully the replay mod will be out for 1.16.2 fairly soon as well. So, uh, taking advantage of the fact that we now have things like Horizontal Chains and Piglin Brutes in Survival Guide, I went out in search of a Bastion that I hadn't generated before and raided that for uh, just to, to take a look at Piglin Brutes for the first time, because I hadn't really been following them in the snapshots, I didn't know exactly what it was going to be like encountering them in-game. I immediately trapped as many of them as I could in boats, um, because that seems to be the best way of dealing with them for me. If if you don't want to attack a piglin brute because that aggro's all of the other piglins, you got to trap it in some form. Either you know put some blocks around it so it can't get out, or in my case, throw a boat down. And uh, I accidentally got in a boat with one of them and barely escaped with my life. Um, the thing I wanted to showcase with piglin brutes specifically was that they have axes, which means you can't block against them with a shield for very long because axes do that thing where they stun shields, which very few other enemies in the game are really going to show you that effect. It normally happens in uh, in PvP combat. If you're dealing with somebody with a shield, you can disable it using an axe. And yeah, I, I ended up uh, holding down right-click so that I could hold my shield up and demonstrate the axe, uh, you know, shield-stunning effect. And then I was looking at the boat it was in, and I right-clicked on the boat. <laughs> so I ended up, <laughs> I ended up in front of this thing, steering it while it was just burying its axe in my back. Um, but luckily, managed to escape with three hearts left. But the, the, it was two hits, and I was wearing half netherite armor, half elytra, and a gold helmet, and it nearly killed me. If I'd stayed in that boat for one more second, it probably would have, you know, delivered the final blow. So that was. Uh, that was quite something. But yeah, I had fun messing around with the Piglin Brutes. I'm planning on keeping all of them alive so that I can use them for various things because 
as people may know, piglins and wither skeletons don't get along, and you can use a piglin brute in a wither skeleton farm to, you know, drop the wither skeletons down so they have a limited amount of health left and have a piglin brute dispatch all of them. Could be a fun way of uh, creating, like, an automated killing mechanism for a farm like that. I also want to make sure I preserve a couple of them for the nether portion of the museum. I'm not going to bring them to the overworld because they will zombify and become useless, but... If I leave them in the nether and build a structure around them, I can show off Piglin Brutes as part of the mob exhibit of the museum, which I am declining to call a zoo because it's also going to feature villagers, and that feels kind of weird and inhumane to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, outside of that, I've still been in the nether in Skyblock because Skyblock now has these additional islands that I think I've mentioned. They have an island for... Uh, in the, the Dr. Trog version of the map that I'm playing, has an island for... A weeping forest, uh, not weeping, uh, you know, a, a, a crimson forest that has weeping vines uh, and a warp forest and a soul sand valley and everything. So having weeping vines means you can get really easy vertical travel in the nether because you just attach weeping vine to something and bone meal it a whole bunch and then you can get down to void level very quickly instead of previously where you'd have to do some shenanigans with moving trapdoors so that you could look underneath blocks or push blocks down with a piston and then potentially lose the piston in the void which already happened to me a bunch of times so i decided to just grow some weeping vines start placing blocks at the bottom of the world and have created an absurdly fast uh zombie pigman farm you, you're talking about the uh the folks suggesting you make an enderman farm at the bottom of the the world like the the nembon style enderman farm i decided to try and do the same thing with zombie pigmen and it is fast it does also unfortunately spawn piglins because i don't have enough magma blocks to make a magma spawning floor yet but it's yeah it's a lot of zombie pigmen very very quickly so looking forward to expanding that um and in the meantime taking advantage of weeping vines for vertical travel in the nether Nice, yeah. I mean, that's an excellent use of the the, the low in the world farm too, because yeah. you're using entity cramming and and stuff to to help you kill the the zombified piglins. Uh, question about the piglin brutes: um, Do they become zombified piglin brutes or just zombified piglins? Do they get I, smaller? I'm pretty sure they just become zombie piglins, and they're just holding an axe, like the way a regular piglin holding a crossbow will still have a crossbow, but will still be a zombie piglin right um, yeah i'm fairly certain they just zombify and don't turn into like a more powerful piglin like zombie i, I don't think it works that way unfortunately zombify i don't think i realized that you could have a ranged zombie piglin now <laughs> i don't think they actually use the crossbows that's the thing they're programmed only uh... to melee attack you um so you end <laughs> so, you end up with so, them so... They, they wander towards you and try and, like, pistol whip you with the crossbow is basically Just, what you get. Yeah, not the smartest piglin in the box, right? It's like, no, I, exactly. have, I have this ranged weapon, I'm going to bash you over the head with it. Nice. It kind of goes uh, goes along with, like, the zombified idea, though, is, like, they're brain dead at that point and all they want yeah, is to just yeah, yeah. Walk, walk up to you and stuff. But, yeah, it's, it's funny. The um, gold farm that I use is on the nether roof, but there are still a couple of solid blocks that I end up leaving around and I accidentally end up with uh piglins from the regular nether wandering through my nether portal so occasionally i'll go back through the portal and i'll just be surrounded by piglins who have zombified and suddenly there's all of these crossbow wielding zombie piglins in the overworld and they're not doing anything to me but i'm just like a little bit concerned because i come yeah. through and there's sometimes like a dozen of them just standing there 
Oh man, I mean those guys they hit hard too. Like if you if they were ranged, that would be hard. That'd oh, be it'd be difficult. it'd be brutal, yeah. yeah. I mean yeah. it might might depend a little bit more on the uh the kind of the crossbow damage at that point because I feel yes. like zombie piglins have gold swords which shouldn't do much attack damage, but sometimes they're enchanted and I think the base damage they do from melee attacks is also pretty high. But then, yeah, you, you get you get one of those with a, a, a ranged attack, and yes, especially when you're dealing with all of the other ones running at you, it might be a little bit hard to handle. Not to rain on your idea for a um, z- a piglin brute um, wither skeleton farm, but would you still get the drops from the wither skeletons if it was the piglins? You still get coal and bones, and to be right. honest, once you've got a certain amount of wither skeletons just from farming them, you don't really need to summon the wither all that much whereas i feel like having a renewable supply of coal is actually a really mm. good reason to build a wither skeleton farm on account yeah. of you know coal being a pretty useful but ultimately not renewable in the overworld resource you can get charcoal but that involves a lot of tree farming you can get other types of fuel source um you know bamboo can't be zero ticked anymore so you don't have people using that for super overpowered uh you know smelting setups anymore i right. feel like having a steady supply of coal and even coal blocks at that point um, yeah, I'd like to do more with coal blocks for sure. Can you can you barter with villagers for coal at all? I, I think, think you so. can sell coal to them. You can't buy coal from oh, them. Oh, that's what it is. That's yeah, blacksmiths. You're right. You're right. Will do yes. that. Yeah. And because and, and, uh, I remember my reaction is like, no, you're not getting that. <laughs> like, yeah. I yeah, want yeah. that. It's like the diamond <laughs> trade. It's the one that we we don't touch that unless it's absolutely necessary. But then again, a bit of zombification of the villagers and then like one coal per emerald might be worthwhile to you, especially if you have a farm for it eventually. Um, right, let's move on to the news, though. We've got a little bit of news to cover. It's a relatively light news week since we don't really have a a, a gameplay snapshot like a, a regular snapshot. Um, we're obviously in 116.2 now. They've said this is going to be the last version of the Nether update before they look forward to the future. And I'm sure everybody is gearing up for the Minecon live stream, which is potentially going to be happening next month. Uh, so stay tuned for news about that. We don't have an exact date or time for any of that yet, as I'm sure they're still working out what they can and can't do for the event. But in the meantime, we have a new combat test snapshot. This is snapshot 8B. Uh, a link to that in the show notes uh, goes to the Reddit page for reddit.com slash r slash Minecraft, where Jeb has been testing these out with the Reddit community. And this is a fairly light snapshot in itself. Jeb said that it is mostly concerned with getting features balanced at this point, and then they're going to be applying some some numbers behind the scenes to how powerful mobs should be, how powerful players should be, and just tweaking stuff so the game feels a little bit more balanced. But we have the return of two features that were removed in previous versions, including eating interruption for being hit either by a player or a mob, and this also now applies to drinking potions, which is going to be relevant to something a little later on. The return of bow fatigue, which decreases arrow accuracy, but it doesn't start for three seconds now, so you have a little bit longer to aim. I think there were concerns about accessibility for this one, but people liked the idea, so it's been put back in with a little bit of a delay. And Bow Fatigue now also cancels out critical arrows, meaning that you won't get a critical hit on something if you've started to uh, hold the string back for long enough that you decrease in accuracy. Uh, New features for this include weapon enchantments now being included in the base damage when calculating crits and potion effects. Strength 1 and 2 effects now add a 20% or 40% increase instead of a flat plus 3 or plus 6 damage. Instantaneous effects on tipped arrows are now scaled by 1 8th, just like the duration of other effects. Healing potions now heal 6 points per level, where previously it was 4. Cleaving, the uh, enchantment that only applies to axes, now adds plus 2, plus 3, or plus 4 points of damage per level, uh, which was previously plus 1, plus 2, and plus 3. 
Liquid food like stews, honey, and milk can now be consumed in 20 ticks instead of 40 ticks, so it's twice as fast, basically. And potions can now be drunk faster. It was 20 ticks this time as opposed to 32. Uh, for those who don't know tick speeds, 20 ticks is uh, basically an in-game second. Um, Minecraft does 20 ticks per second in terms of game ticks. Um, that is it for the combat test snapshot, but there's a lot of stuff there that we will go into in a little bit more detail. Uh, on the Bedrock Edition side, Bedrock Edition got a Jurassic World tie-in DLC. Uh, link to that in the show notes once again from Minecraft.net. There is a trailer there that's also on the YouTube channel. And it comes in the form of an adventure map that allows you to craft and train dinosaurs, build exhibits for the park, solve disasters, and go on adventures to discover more dinosaur DNA. There are 60 dinosaurs, all of which are just, you know, mobs that have been added into the game through add-ons and modifications of existing mobs. There are 21 skins, including characters from the movies. So if you want to look like Jeff Goldblum, now you can. Um, there's also a blue hoodie cosmetic item in the store. That is the raptor from the recent movies, not just the color. Uh, and an honourable mention on the news this week, uh, since in the pre-show we'd been talking a little bit about GDQ, the Games Done Quick uh, speedrunning marathon event, I wanted to give a shout out to Illumina, who did an any percent random seed glitchless run of Minecraft 1.7, I believe, is the, the version that Illumina runs. The previous run I saw of theirs at GDQ was just over an hour, and this one was 40 minutes. Uh, so it really kind of goes to show how much variation there is in these random seed speedruns. Um, there are set seed speedruns that I guess you choose the most optimal seed for uh, going through stuff very fast, presumably like a village that gives you enough obsidian to make a nether portal straight away and stuff like that. And those get down to like, there are seconds between runners at the top level and it only takes about three minutes to complete the game. Um, <laughs> Illumina has the world record for random seeds pre 1.7. Uh, the second place record for set seeds pre 1.7, fourth place for the random seed category in versions 1.9 through 1.15, and does not appear on the 1.16 leaderboards at all, whether they haven't run the game in 1.16 or not, or just because it's so competitive in 1.16 right now, because there's a lot of people uh, contesting the record in 1.16 speedrunning. It's kind of an interesting landscape right now. So I'd recommend that anybody who doesn't know very much about Minecraft speedrunning, check out that speedrun and then go looking for other things if this interests you because there's a lot of people out there doing speedruns in 1.16 now that the route through the game can be a little bit different, enderpearls can be gotten in the nether and that kind of thing. How do you feel about the snapshot, the combat? Uh, I think it's it's definitely getting more refined now. Um, the the combat snapshot seems to be headed more towards balancing than adding anything new, which is good. Um, and as far as I can see, all of the feedback in the Reddit thread seems pretty positive. There are a few people still suggesting balancing here and there, and Jeb was responding to a couple of those saying, yes, we still need to buff mobs a little bit if the player is too powerful in certain areas and that kind of thing. But I think it's it's getting towards... Uh, the area where we have um, yeah, something that I might actually want to load up myself just because I want to get ahead of what combat is going to look like. But I think it's, yeah, I, I think it's looking promising. I think this is potentially going to be quite good for players on all platforms at this stage, which is the goal of this. Let's remind ourselves that the goal here is to, to make sure we have a version of combat that works for Bedrock and Java Edition. Um, but I think, yeah, there's a couple of things that are going to be difficult to get used to, like, um, yeah, I, th I think the bow fatigue thing is going to be interesting to me. <laughs> I, don't, I, I can't think of how long I tend to draw back a bow for when I'm 
typically firing shots, but I think it's good that the accuracy thing is still in there. I think that adds more more depth to bow gameplay personally. I <clears throat> I think I think I'm going to be okay with the three second delay. I was concerned when there was no delay. Yeah. And I was like, mm, that I don't know if I'm going to enjoy that. That seems like catered for combat for PvP, but not thinking about PvE. Yeah. Uh, and how some people like to play the game that way. Um, but I I had to shoot a couple of ghasts uh, just on the weekend, actually, as I was going to the portal to the end uh, in our nether tunnel network. And I don't think I held the bow for very long. I definitely draw it back and hold it and aim, kind of like, you know, old school sniper rifle type stuff from first person shooters I used to play. Um, but I don't think it's longer than three seconds. And even if it, And even if it was, shortening that time and remembering that, if I ha hold it less than three seconds, I should, or if I'm going to hold it for more than three, I should let go before that time runs out. Um, I think that's plenty of time. I don't know if the three seconds starts when you draw the bow or if it starts when you reach the full draw strength of the bow. Um, I'd be curious to see where that lands, uh, where you have to start counting, you know, one 1,000 in your head. Um, but I, I think it's a good balance. I think, that, I think that gives people like us that don't do a lot of PVP an ample you know, balance between uh, a kill shot or a hard shot and and a, and a wobbly shot. Um, I think it also adds a fun little three-second timer to anybody that wants to make mini games for the um, target block, that sort of thing. Yes. Uh, I think that you know it, it gives a little bit more uh, of a of a fun mechanic in there that way that you can you can not use. You know, if you if you can get the timing right, you can avoid it altogether. So it just it adds a little bit of skill and less randomness. Uh, to it which i think is good um all the other stuff i didn't really i don't pay attention to what potions and um strength effects do now other than strength good no strength bad you yeah. know <laughs> you know i don't really know what the multipliers are and i was like that with world of warcraft too like there's all this inside math for all the buffs and i'm just kind of like well wait a minute do i hit harder with this yes okay give it to me that's fine yeah. <laughs> you know this i is, don't really concern myself with it so this, this <clears> sounds <throat> like the kind of stuff i'm more concerned about when i'm playing DD than when i am playing minecraft you know like mm -hmm. the the amount of plus ones and stuff i expect once again that is more stuff that will be relevant to uh pvp and um the kind of potion meta that can be happening like people using health potions to recover i think there are a few people in the thread concerned that uh if you couldn't if you weren't interrupted by getting hit you could just chug a health potion constantly and that would really prevent anybody from killing you especially if healing potions now heal a little bit more so i think there's you know the, the, there's a little bit of balancing at work there and i think they're making some some sensible decisions i think the overall goal here is to speed up combat for pvp players whilst also making sure it doesn't get too easy to pve everything do you know why they would switch to like a 20% increase of something rather than like a plus three or a plus one? The plus one plus three seems to be a little bit more straightforward to me, but I don't know whether the 20% is a nerf or a buff. Uh, it's a nerf and quite a big one, actually. If you, it, okay. you have to consider how much certain weapons are going to scale. So, for example, a wooden sword in Java Edition, I'll use Java Edition as an example here. A wooden sword has four attack. Uh, so if you take a strength 2 potion with that, you get plus 6 <laughs> added to 4, so you're suddenly doing 10 damage, which is more than a netherite sword does as its base damage. Um, meantime, if you get a 40% increase on 4, uh, that is still 
only increasing by like one point basically so so now it's going from being able to do 10 damage with a wooden sword to being able to do five damage with a wooden sword uh, right, so it's okay. a pretty serious buff and obviously if you have like a if you have a netherite sword at that level it's still going to do way less damage than it was before but it's still going to be a more significant increase to add 40 percent to that than it would be if you were just increasing the strength of a wooden sword so it's scaling it based on the material you have rather than just applying a flat increase across the board which actually kind of makes sense because you still want a wooden sword to be relatively weak and give players an incentive to upgrade um so it it does kind of make sense that that change is happening to me yeah if you could get almost all the way there with a wooden sword it's so much easier to get why would you bother to do all the grinding to get the the higher tier if it wasn't that wasn't worth that much more and it also stops netherite swords from being completely dominant if you have a sword that can do like 15 damage per hit if you have sharpness plus a strength two potion you know i i think it's uh it, it's maybe bringing the average a little closer together but definitely incentivizing players to head for higher tier materials interesting um yeah i'd be curious to to hear from some of our community that that do a lot of pvp um because I, I mean i don't so i feel like i always have like a lack of insight for this kind of um this kind of snapshot yeah i've been thinking we should maybe uh reach out to some of the folks who've been involved in the mc championship events recently and that's yeah. a bunch of our friends including friend of the show f whip who's been on several times uh to see uh yeah how the pvp landscape looks for them right now as players who i, th I think mc championship is all happening in a more recent version of the game right is it's all if not 116 then it's all happening like in i think so yeah more recent it's, it's not like going back to 1.8 era combat no so, i think they i think they utilize things like data packs and stuff like that yeah 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 so uh so it'll be interesting to hear from some of them about how the uh the combat experience feels and how any of these uh if they have any concerns about the combat snapshots changing the way all of that is working um as far as the jurassic world dlc don't have a huge amount to say about this it's not really something i'm into now but uh some of my earliest experiences playing minecraft on the xbox 360 included the mass effect and halo mashup packs which at the time were just a map a resource pack and a handful of skins but i think now bedrock edition commands and add-ons allow for a totally different experience and so the jurassic world dlc actually looks really cool from the perspective of somebody who like you want to see interesting tie-ins to Minecraft. You want to see what the game is capable of and a kind of official marketplace experience that's like a tie-in with, um, you know, a movie franchise that people might be super familiar with. I think that's really great. And from what I've seen of the trailer, the dinosaurs look pretty cool. There's still some weird stuff when you have, you know, pteranodons and stuff flying around and they fly a little bit like phantoms. And so the f the flying never looks quite as fluid as, say, the ender dragon flying does. Right. Uh, you just have this this thing that's kind of rises into the air looking a little bit flat. Uh, but, but it's still kind of cool to see all of that stuff like come to life in Minecraft. And having played Pixark for a while, the combination of these giant dinosaurs and this cubic landscape is really not as weird as you might think. Yeah, I remember Pixar. I remember watching uh, your run through and a couple of other people play Pixar. I just found finding it really interesting to watch. It's a game um, that was loaded down with bugs and inconsistencies and weird yeah. things that didn't make sense to me. But I still have this odd sense of nostalgia for it occasionally. It was a, it was a yeah. fun it was a fun time before Minecraft One Thirteen came out, and basically I've been dedicated to Minecraft since then. Yeah, I, I think too with with Pixar, it just it started off with a finer 
resolution as far as the block models. And yeah. so everything in there sort of felt like it matched a little bit better. There, there, was, your, there were your, tables and chairs and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Your, char your character too had like a difference in width between like shorts and legs and t-shirt yeah. and arms. And like yeah, you had yeah. that kind of, there was a, your, your beard was actually pixels like modeled not just a the texture yeah um and i feel like um while i understand that the jurassic park dlc is not for me um the models for this kind of stuff always kind of take me out of minecraft a little bit and it's like well this just looks like i just go play the jurassic park game you know yeah it always i, I understand that that's not the target audience but um it just it always feels a little bit funny when they have the rest of the landscape is very blocky and minecrafty and you have to build you know these paddocks and stuff out of the existing minecraft blocks but then you have these really oddly detailed dinosaurs with blocks at angles that don't exist in minecraft and stuff like that i find it it's a weird juxtaposition um however uh i know like players like my niece who are getting into just kind of starting to understand that minecraft has other things that you can like download and get into yeah and knowing the place that she, that she has in lego with like the scientist van and you know the the other adventure stuff that she has i i know that you know she would be all over something like jurassic world or something just similar you know whether it's care bears or avengers or like some other you know uh ip tie-in to to minecraft and that would be something that the you know the the user is familiar with but then their level of video game access is basically minecraft and that's all that they're either allowed to or all they're interested in playing and so getting some of those other ips and if especially if there's any kind of educational thing about fossils dinosaurs the you know paleontology like that kind of stuff would be very very cool uh i think in and stuff like that yeah absolutely i think it's it's great to see minecraft sort of almost leveraging what they what the game is capable of now across a lot of different platforms. I mean, Java has had this for a little while, but Bedrock is now getting to the point where you can modify stuff in the game very easily, and it's probably so much easier for them even to make official stuff like this now that they have the tools that players are using to modify the game as well. You look at any of the other marketplace creators who heavily modify stuff to add vehicles into the game and stuff like that, and the development team is now able to use the same stuff uh as as everybody else effectively to uh turn some of that stuff into dlc with relative ease and i think it's just going to be a better landscape for everybody at that point for sure you want to get into some chunk mail let's do it if you'd like to email the show the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com i will read our first email from big rex 12 and the subject is end game custom recipes hi joel and picks on the last episode, So Cool 2025 wrote in and commented on how the Nether Star has a pretty limited use in game. I realized they were talking about adding new blocks into the vanilla game uh, in the form of lighting, and while I think that's an excellent idea, I wanted to share how I use them for my small server. I use custom recipes that utilize Nether Stars to create spawn eggs. The recipes are intentionally endgame because the ability to summon mobs just kind of feels unnatural. The spawn eggs go hand in hand with a custom recipe for spawners, so you can create and use them in farms. When making the recipes, I try to utilize more rare and tougher to get items such as ghast tears and netherite scraps. I have a full-time job and three kids, so my available time is limited. I think these custom recipes allow me, my wife and my kids to progress through the game just a tad faster. How do you feel about custom recipes for things that don't currently have recipes? Sincerely, Big Rex 12. 
Uh, I know that you've been spending a lot of time digging into uh, Netherite collection, Johnny. So if Netherite was being used to create something like a custom mob spawner, like, do you feel that that would balance out some of the grind? I still feel like the ability to create spawners of any kind makes the vanilla game as I know it pretty overpowered uh, on account of there being so many things you can exploit about spawning certain things if you have easy access to the spawn eggs. However, obviously for somebody who has limited time to play, I see no problem with it personally. The sandbox element of Minecraft is great for exploring stuff like this. And especially if you don't have a whole lot of time, but you're balancing that with the amount of time that it takes to collect netherite scraps, obviously that's something that is balanced for you. Uh, so that makes perfect sense to me and sounds great. I feel like the average player, you know, um, is probably going to get more out of that than people like me who are in Minecraft every day and for whom, uh, you know, I, I, I try and collect a hundred ancient debris on every stream I do now, which is like a three hour long stream. So depending on how many netherite scraps you have to pour into the crafting recipe, I feel like that'd be kind of trivial for me. But, you know, the average player is going to get more out of that. So I think that's an interesting use of netherite scraps. And I can imagine the spawner cages actually being made out of something like netherite. It's kind of an interesting interpretation of that as a material, which is the thing I probably like the most about this email. Yeah, and that's what I thought too, is that it's such an interesting use of, of netherite scraps. I would even, I would lean to your, you know, kind of side of things. I still think it's a, it's a cool use of a, of a custom recipe, but I would say like, well, if you would imagine what a, a, a spawner would be made of, like imagine if it was, I mean, this is a simple recipe, but imagine if it was the spawn egg, which you can do nothing with other than just use it to create a spawner surrounded by netherite ingots, right? So that's eight netherite ingots that involves four gold and four, you know, netherite scraps. So that's, that's not insignificant in terms of making one spawner that you can only make once you can't move like all that kind of stuff. Um, and I can see again from a limited time. I mean, I'm a, I'm a busy person. My Minecraft and streaming and stuff is, is not my full-time gig. So, um, with the limited time that I get into Minecraft, that's one of the reasons why I, I changed this, the ender ender this weekend is because when I die on stream twice in one weekend, that, that then puts me back and I have to then, all right, well, I don't want to spend the next stream like three hours getting back to where I was. I need to do that quicker. And so one of the things that I think that um, I, I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show before, but we have a, a bunch of like custom recipes and stuff that we have uh, on on the Citadel, specifically because the Citadel is mostly very busy professional adults that are trying to play Minecraft, but also have a lot of stuff going on outside of it. And we kept it to stuff that's in-game recipes. So things like the multi-item dyeing for stained glass and terracotta. Um, I keep on meaning to make one for wool and carpet and I haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, smelting rotten flesh into nether, into, sorry, into leather. Um, nether wart into blocks and then back again. Uh, string into wool and back again, just stuff like that, um, which is all just like quality of life. It doesn't really break the game. It just kind of makes things a little bit easier in terms of like, well, if you have a lot of yellow terracotta and you need to make brown terracotta, you don't have to go get plain terracotta first. You can just kind yeah. of like go from what you have. And these are all things that people that watch Hermitcraft would be pretty familiar with. Because I think a lot of these data packs uh, recipes are actually from Vanilla Tweaks. Yeah. Uh, or at least I get the idea from Vanilla Tweaks. Um, the the one that I recall that I thought was server specific, but made a lot of sense was when I was playing on Vastin with Fixit, 
uh, one of the first things that he said very excitedly to me was that they had a recipe for Elytra. And you're like, wow, that feels kind of like, okay. But it was from Phantom Membranes. And they're not hard to get, but they're not exactly quick to get either, right? So I thought that was an interesting kind of way because really everybody on that server, they were interested in building. They weren't necessarily interested in fighting mobs. And yeah. so using an elytra to build these massive structures was essential to your gameplay. And so to be, to be able to craft one without having to go hunting for one in the end was, was a, lot, a lot nicer. And again, you still had to work for it. Like it wasn't free. Um, and I think that recipes like that, when done in that kind of spirit, on a multiplayer server, it's usually put to a, you know, a community, hey, how do you all feel about this? Um, in the case of, of um, Big Rex, it's a family and they're just like, well, I've got kids and they, if they die, they don't want to have to do this all over again. Or if they grind this out, like it's, it's going to make it more fun for us uh, to have things uh, rather than investing all this time, you know, in a, in a Minecraft world only to find out that your, you know, your closest spider spawner is like miles away. Um, we have actually um, not had the thirst for that on the Citadel because um, the Citadel seed was actually uh, back when you could do custom seeds. And I tweaked the spawner frequency up by like, I think it goes from, from I think I had it about 50% more than normal or something like yeah. that. So we see, yeah. we see a lot more spawners than the average world, which is cool. Uh, and it's more fun. You just have to play with from, have some fun that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm currently playing the Skyblock map on the side where certain things like spawners are still off limits, but you still have crafting recipes for stuff that you cannot get renewably any other way. And that is definitely decreasing. Now we have access to things like quartz and gravel from piglin trading, uh, Blackstone being the uh, the other addition to that now. But uh, in the case of needing a little bit more netherrack so that you can expand the warped and crimson islands I was talking about earlier, uh, you can craft netherrack blocks out of four weeping vines in a 2x2, two two, which is definitely not a vanilla crafting recipe, but allows you to access freely a block which is otherwise abundant in vanilla so it doesn't need to be renewable because it is literally everywhere it kind of adds that extra dimension to skyblock and while skyblock's challenge is often you have a limited amount of resources use what you can of these it still allows you to get them through a fairly grindy process which then ends up being quite rewarding because you can craft the game however you want to from that point you can start making nether landscapes again if that appeals to you or you can end up using netherrack for the variety of things it is useful for even just expanding those islands to make more nylium and grow more um you know more warped and crimson stuff so i am i'm definitely for the application of uh custom recipes for stuff where it enhances the game for you and doesn't just bypass progression or allow you to kind of get your way to stuff that you otherwise would have to go a certain way around like there's there are some things that the challenge of the game makes it fun for me rather than feeling like a, a huge obstacle I, I enjoy overcoming that stuff but definitely in the case of this email you know if it's the kind of thing that you just don't have the time to mess around with clearing an entire basalt delta so you can make an effective magma cube farm that's maybe not the best example because we have magma cube spawners now but same thing you know if, if you want yeah. to if you want yeah. to create a wither skeleton farm but you don't have the time to spawn proof a huge radius of the nether having a wither skeleton spawner maybe in the overworld you know that that's that's cool if that's another another road to just having more resources and being able to have more fun for you more power to you and not knowing how old the kids are, it could be 
accessibility, making the game a little bit easier for kids that are younger that don't have quite have the you know motor skills for for um, Minecraft at its peak. You know, when you get into end game, um, my my niece doesn't like zombies very much. She kind of flips back and forth between creative and survival whenever she encounters <laughs> a zombie. Uh-huh. Uh And and so you know, having the ability to make spawners and stuff like that when there are no mobs in the game could also be a fun way to kind of add them add them into peaceful mode that kind of thing definitely uh let's move on to the next email we have this one coming in from nikki and the subject is note blocks hi johnny and joel i've been following the survival guide for a little while and found this podcast a few weeks ago this and the citadel cafe are stellar things to listen to while on a walk doing housework or building things in minecraft thank you very much uh, anyway, I wanted to write in about the current state of note blocks, as I feel they're quite a few steps away from what they could be. Although they have some use in redstone circuits, they don't really serve that much purpose in the actual realm of sound. You've discussed frequently on the show that villages and other generated structures are intentionally kind of ugly to encourage the player to try their own hand at improving it. However, I feel the music is amorphous enough and well-made enough to discourage the player from trying to augment it with note blocks. The most interesting use I could come up with for these sonic cubes was as a way to simulate environmental sounds. Is there a wild wolf that you don't want to kill but is attacking your sheep? Try simulating a skeleton sound to catch the wolf's interest and maybe draw it away to tame it. Are your villagers being stubborn and sitting in a corner? Simulate a zombie sound to make them move around and help you get them where they need to go, ignoring any real world implications, of course. Obviously, these are both somewhat on-the-fly uses that might require you to have them on hand, but perhaps with these it might be more worth it to keep them in an ender chest. Eager to hear what you guys have to say. Cheers, Nikki. Thanks for the email, Nikki. A really inventive idea, I thought, this one. I agree, and thank you also for the compliments on the Citadel Cafe. Huzzah, the Citadel Cafe listener. <laughs> <laughs> Found in uh, the wild at last, yes. yeah. Hashtag, this had absolutely no bearing on how this email got into the show. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> the uh, Yeah, I, I never really thought about the parallels between village design encouraging players to build better and note blocks versus the music in Minecraft, which is a, is a very different uh, experience when you start to compare the two. Um, I like the idea of note blocks, I think the only thing I've ever done with them was I made the sad trombone noise from uh, Price is Right. <laughs> yes, uh, back, I, I remember back, this. Yeah, back when the villager trading hall mechanic was you had to sort through hundreds of villagers to find the one that you wanted. And the ones that you didn't want, you had to, quote unquote, dispose of them. Basically, I was sending them into a pit of lava. And they would go through a tripwire first and it would go boop, 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 and they would die. And, and I just found it funny. Uh, it took a long time to set that up. I had to like, you know, look up the music notes. I think it was actually like a Mario music maker thing that I found. Mm -hmm. um, but I found it tedious. And um, the reason why I don't mess with note blocks more often is the interface. Uh, I dislike going around the horn like an old television um, converter where if you go from channel 31 to 32 too bad you can't go back you have to go all the way around <laughs> 31 times to get back to 30 you know to 31 uh and so that that kind of stuff i always found annoying i'd love to have a ui for that i'd also like to actually see the notes rather than trying to deci decipher from the wiki with a panel of of a like a key what red note and blue note corresponds with f sharp or g you know flat or whatever and um, and I'm speaking out of my butt because I don't know whether those exist um, because it's been a long time since I've actually looked at sheet music. But um, I thought, hmm, there's probably a data pack for that. And a quick Google search actually led me to a Planet Minecraft build, uh, that a data pack that was released just in May this year. And it does exactly that. It gives you a UI. It's a piano keyboard. 
and it gives you like the D sharp, E, F, F sharp, G, etc. Uh, all along, um, all along the interface, so that you can then choose which note is going to play where. Um, the only other thing that I find limiting, and I'm really curious about your um, input on this, of course, because of your musical background, um, that you can't get sustained notes from note blocks. I wish you could. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't everything from a note block an eighth note? Yeah, more or less. I mean, it depends on the the rhythm with which you're playing it, but it's very like staccato sounding. You don't tend to get right. any. Yeah, like sustained notes is is definitely what they're missing. Um, you just have to play the note a bunch of times in rhythm. So instead of going duh, it's going da 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 da, which yeah. just doesn't provide the right sort of atmosphere. And and otherwise, you just end up with everything sounding like it's being played on a series of plucked violins. You know. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, if you wanted to create something creepy, you know, like something slow and creepy for like a haunted mansion or or a, a crypt or a, a a dark evil castle, like you can't have that deep, you know, um, the French kind of horn cello kind of thing going on, right? Or, or even that Discord where you just lean on the left hand side of the piano and it goes, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. You, in in Minecraft, yeah. that's just bum. <laughs> and that's it and, and and maybe that like makes you jump out of your skin just like the jump scare version but it doesn't really add the kind of creepy ambience to it and mm -hmm. so yeah musically you have to you have to do a variety of stuff so um i do like though the idea of using them as distractions for mob sounds and stuff like that like i in a way i kind of wish that's what parrots did um because parrots can mimic mob sounds but that has no effect to anything other than the player um, but if parrots could be trained to make zombie sounds to scare villagers when no zombies were around, or, or maybe e even mimic the raid horn that you get when a the the kind of sound that yeah. you get when when a raid starts, that'd be really fun. I feel like that'd be a fun mechanic to mess around with uh, for parrots. And I don't know quite how. Um, yeah, you you could do it with note blocks. I'm not sure what you would have to combine or add to or mess with the note block and how it could be. I think the the fact that note blocks are pushable and the fact that they change their instrument based on what block they're over the top of at the time, like that that's a really interesting system and it has a variety of uses if you want to make more complex redstone contraptions, but then the problem becomes all of the piston noises and stuff that have to happen in the process. Right. Um Yeah. So I'm not I'm not certain how you would get note blocks to make a certain type of sound other than just increase the range of blocks that you could put them over in order for them to make certain noises but yeah i i do like the idea of that having of sound having more of an impact on you know player interaction with mobs the accessibility of that would be something you'd have to work out but now there are subtitles in java edition at least there might be some some fun to be had there so it's an interesting concept i like it yeah and it lead me led me to think about like well um nikki was talking about distracting a a wolf you know by making a skeleton noise uh, like a xylophone type thing and i was thinking like well what if there was a sound that mobs react to much the same how creepers will run away from cats uh skeletons will run away from wolves like what if there was a sound like a frequency that zombies were just like oh heck no so <laughs> if you get these zombies coming into your village or trading hall or you're you're attacking your encampment if you had a note block and you could just get it maybe they hate i don't know the 8-bit noise like maybe the 8-bit you know um 
music that you could create would just like the zombies would just turn tail and run the other mm -hmm. way uh, that would be that'd be kind of funny it kind of made me think of like the air horn from like hockey matches and stuff like that like yeah ah, yeah you know <laughs> just something really loud and annoying would be would be interesting sound it, the zombie um, alarm yeah yeah i'm sure notebooks are probably used more often in, in multiplayer matches and like you know races and things where like you cross the finish line and fireworks and music notes and stuff like that go off but uh it uh, i should do more like because i i have you know, I've had the ideas for having like a note block chime when you walk into a cafe, like a little bell, you know, like when you the doorbell, not like a digital doorbell, like, but like a little bell and a spring from like yeah. the old timey shops and mm -hmm. stuff. That kind of stuff would, can add a lot of character to, to your builds, depending on, on where you stand and stuff like that. But there's nothing, none of the notes in the note blocks have any kind of like, they're always musical. I don't really have anything that comes to mind that would work as like a sound effect for like, you know, a car or you know uh even just like um piston noises like the best sort of mechanical thing you're going to get is actually ma just making a piston move it's not gonna you're not going to get it out of a note block necessarily yeah. i can't think of anything um that would work the only thing i can i can think of there is that maybe some really cool elaborate redstone mechanic where you're gradually increasing the frequency of something like you know like having it you know increase in in speed might sort of give the player the impression but it's not really there yeah yeah, def definitely could get more mileage out of note blocks. It's just, uh, you know, <laughs> how how many, you know, countless hours and stuff end up getting poured into a feature that is relatively unused by players and yeah. does it then become the thing that all players rely on to do stuff? I, I feel like maybe it would just get too easy to exploit if you had a bunch of mobs triggered by certain sounds and, like, mob behavior could be altered that way. I feel like it'd be it'd be interesting, but maybe... A little bit too overpowered when we already rely on you know having an actual skeleton nearby if you want to distract wolves or you know having you know skeletons run away from wolves to sort mobs in different ways that kind of thing i think hmm. there are mechanics in the game already that require a little bit more risk than just crafting a note block to do it so there may be on balance some things about that idea that needed adjusting no, that's true yeah. yeah we will see good to see it from both sides anyway so i thought uh we would kick into the roundtable discussion this week with another email would you would you mind if i go first go for it yeah go ahead sure uh this is an email from maya uh new something smell hello johnny and joel and exuma this was actually an email from several weeks ago uh, but i thought it was great i've recently been enjoying a lot of new new first home new minecraft update and a new minecraft world i've recently started my second quote unquote forever world a la fwip since I bought my own house and moved out of my parents' place, I've started a new Minecraft world of my own. My little sister helped me with a lot of the design and survival choices that I was that in what I would deem my first forever world. So I've decided to leave that world as a shared world for us to work on whenever she visits. I've been enjoying the fresh palette to build and the fresh world to explore. I wanted to ask what some what are some of your favorite things about a new Minecraft world? Is it the exploration, a fresh place to build, new redstone, quality of life changes, or even exploits? Dun, dun, dun. Cube Minecraft note music there. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, thank you for making such a fun, informative podcast. And side note to Exuma for running such an innovative and fun to watch server. Maya or Snow Rose 77. Uh, thank you very much for the email. And uh, I thought this was an interesting uh, discussion topic because we so often come at things from the end game, you know, where you've had the survival guide for so long, I've been running the Citadel for three years. So very seldom do I really contemplate, 
my favorite things about starting anew because it's not really on my to-do list anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, and I think anytime you've done it, it's been survival skyblock stuff. So it's a different gameplay altogether. Yeah. Um, uh, so for me, um, I really like the clean slate feeling. I, I like the untouched world. I haven't broken a block yet. Everything is kind of like that curious procedurally generated Minecraft environment. Uh, and I, I've often had good luck with just like random seeds, you know, like just you walk around going like, wow, that's a really cool mountainscaper. Ah, that's a really cool forest next to this desert. Like you don't see that very often, stuff like that. And I always find that kind of stuff very interesting for me. Um, you definitely don't have to wonder what to do in a new world. And I think that's something that I've been struggling with lately. Uh, with an endgame server, I didn't find as pretty as the Nether update is, did not add a lot of gameplay for me that I was interested in. So then I'm just like, well, what I want to, what do I want to do? Like, I'm just basically back to building. And so I have to wait for inspiration to strike, you know, in order to, to move on. And something that I, I really did enjoy when I did um, jump into a brand new world very briefly for the 116 launch, just for that one stream day, was that I did not have to think about what to do next. Like, your your hierarchy of needs are food, shelter, don't die. Uh, then after that, you have to like gear up. You have to um, advance a little bit, maybe do some farming, some automation. So something I, I definitely envy about people that start a brand new world is like you are not at a loss for what to do. There is just always something that you can do to entertain yourself and have some fun, some fun doing. Um, without getting into like a big long speech, like that's that's kind of like my initial gut reaction to a new world. How do you feel when you start a new world? Like, what are your favorite kind of like senses uh, tickles that happen when you start a new world? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting how we get tired of having that level of control over stuff because you always end a world when I mean, for me especially, this is the case with previous servers and stuff that I've been on before I started the survival guide, we always reset because we felt like we had too much stuff automated at that point. We had like so many farms and for this and for that, that it's like the world doesn't have any control over us anymore. We're all kind of end game players and that lack of control can sometimes be fun. We don't know where the landscape is going to be. We don't know what is going to be out there available to us. And the struggle to survive is one of the things that propels gameplay in the early days, like you said, before and i think that's often the focus of other survival games more so than getting to the level in minecraft where you can really handle yourself in other games uh, survival style games like seven days to die for example that never really happens because you get to the point where you can handle yourself against a horde of zombies but then an even bigger horde of zombies comes along later and the sliding scale of how powerful you can get against stuff never really kind of matches up to like well i've got a a super sharp diamond or netherite sword i've got full armor in minecraft anything the game throws at me i can handle at that point you know you're always going to run out of ammo you're always going to run out of you know tool durability in other survival games where the survival part of it is the point more so than the sandbox side of things so i think it's nice to go back to having you know the struggle to survive at first and then for me, it becomes about being inspired by the landscape around me. And that's the thing where looking at the same landscape for however long, even when you fly further afield, you end up having to come back to the place where you have all of your items stored already. And it's rare that I go out into a separate place in a Minecraft world and, uh, you know, start fresh, start from scratch, because there's always that thing in the back of my head going, well, you've just got all of this 
all of these resources just you know over there a couple of thousand blocks you could go back to them anytime you want to and i think it's it's nice looking at a new landscape and saying i genuinely have nothing right now but i can imagine putting a tower here a castle there a farmhouse here or you know going in a completely different direction i think there is always the opportunity to explore a new build style whenever you start a new world that might not feel at home in the world you've already started so if you're used to building medieval and you want to start something more modern or more futuristic you don't tend to you know find an easy blend between those two styles that allows you to just stay in one place and build like that unless you're unless you're building a modern city that has like a medieval reenactment site in it or something like that i think it it makes a lot more sense to start something fresh if you want to take a completely fresh approach not only that but you have challenges like the nether and the end where after a while there isn't really much new to do in the end you've generated all your end gateways and you've fought the dragon a bunch of times and that's it whereas the new dragon fight before you've got elytra before you've you know got all of these things that are in the end game to help you i think it's a lot more of a challenge at that stage and that's the type of challenge people start to crave when they've been playing minecraft for a long time yeah i'm with you on the exploration it it reminds me of my time in world of warcraft which was my first experience with a video game that had that kind of an expansive world and i mean you could argue that minecraft is even bigger because of how large the worlds are and stuff like that but uh it it just it just kind of gives you that sense of immersion you know like when you're traveling down from one hill to the next in a zone in world of warcraft and the environment completely changes from desert to jungle uh that kind of fantasy feeling uh while a lot of the overworld stuff in in um minecraft looks like our planet um there are some places that feel really um like re really fantastical depending on what your seed is like and what the generation is like and if i was to do a new world i would probably to take a page from big rex earlier with like data packs and recipes and stuff i would probably try to find a way to augment the terrain generation so that it would be like really unique you know something that i've not seen in my current minecraft world or i haven't been playing with for three years so that it really would be a new experience because while there is some like newness to a new Minecraft world, I do find because it's Minecraft, it does become very familiar very quickly. And so having having something there to change the way that the landscape is is um, generated, I think would be something that I'd be very interested in. Because uh, uh, Nikki was asking about like exploits and things like that. So I don't think I would necessarily exploit anything because I do like the survival experience. I like the accomplishment of mining a lot of stuff or picking up stuff moving it from one place to another it's why i don't play creative is because I, I find the the survival aspect of it the um the time in versus reward out aspect of it um really fulfilling for me as a as a game is why i've been playing minecraft for so long yeah uh and i'm sure that's rings true for you as well um and as much as i enjoy the multiplayer experience and much love to all of my server mates there is definitely a part of the artist side of me that would just love <laughs> the full creative control. Like just don't have to worry about anybody else. I'm not stepping on your toes. I'm not worried about including you. I'm just going to do my thing. And I realize that I could go somewhere on the server and do that, but it just, it just, it doesn't feel, it feels 
antisocial when you're doing yeah. it on a multiplayer server. Uh, now you've had this experience lately going from, I think it was pretty much straight from um, decidedly vanilla into the survival guide. So did you have any of that finger wringing, just super villain you know, uh, feelings of going from like, well, I've gone from multiplayer to single player and now the world is my oyster. In a way, yeah, and it's one of the reasons I really stick with single player now is the the sense of I have done all of this myself, and nice, yeah. also I, I've talked about this many times before. But the the incentive to then be the one who creates all the farms and not have to not be able to rest on my laurels and say, well, somebody else is going to build an iron farm one of these days. I don't have to worry about that. I learn new mechanics that way because you know there's not anybody else who's going to do it. I'm the one who has to do it. So I think that's one of the things I've enjoyed about starting a single-player world of my own is just having to dive into the technical aspect of the game and really understand what makes the game tick under the hood. I think it, it makes a lot more sense that way. Last little comment before we move on uh, comes from uh, Dilkin7 uh, in the Smeltery in our Discord, which is uh, a place for some of our ore producers and uh, content engineers to hang out and, and contribute to the show. Uh, Dilkin7 said, I just started a new world, and it's weird how my priorities changed since the last time I've... Uh, since the last time. Sorry, I missed a period there. I've literally locked myself inside of a mountain, accruing resources while I slowly set up outposts for all of my future builds. So I like how his survival tactics is is just screw this survival noise. I'm just going to turtle. <laughs> this is this is my life. I am a caveman now. <laughs> e either that, or it's a secret volcano lair, and Dilkin Seven is the supervillain waiting to emerge yeah. and start go. start taking over all of these places. Uh, so for my topic this week at the roundtable, I wanted to talk about ways to make new mobs interesting to fight, because new mobs are presumably going to be in the game sooner or later. We'll find new hostile mobs and challenges out there, and this is inspired in part by my encounters with piglin brutes, which are ultimately just a reskinned vindicator in terms of behavior, right? They attack you no matter what, they wield axes, they deal a, a heck of a lot of damage, you don't really get much more of the experience there. And it's it's an an argument that I've seen happen a lot where people say everything that gets added to the, the game now is just another variant of a zombie. And that's not just a textural variant. It's not just a model variant. It's a variant of the behavior as well. Um, I would I would ask you for a start. Let, let's let's kick this off with a question. What is the most interesting mob to fight for you in terms of strategy? Like what do you what mob do you find the most interesting to fight? Uh hmm. The most interesting to fight. I would see I'm struggling and my brain is going to Minecraft dungeons, but it's yeah, uh, yeah. in in Minecraft I would say shulker boxes. Or yeah, well, shulkers, not shulker boxes. Shulkers. <laughs> I'm always I fighting just, with shulker boxes, though. Yeah, you will that too. Yeah, yeah. Open them, <laughs> shut them. Open them, shut them. Yeah. It, um, what's in this one? Not, I forgot. Not that one. Not, not that white one. The other white one. Um, no, yeah, uh, shulkers. I think that's probably the most interesting and challenging because of the whole floating. You could potentially drop to your death, despite how good you are, kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, I do find that. I would say the most interesting fight as far as the mechanics go. Yeah, I yeah. can't do that without my wits about me. Scott, zombies and skeletons and creepers and stuff, man, I just, it doesn't really phase me anymore. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I think maybe because we've been used to them for so long and shulkers are mm -hmm. relatively new. But then again, shulkers were added, I think, before you really started playing Minecraft in earnest, right? So, no, oh, yeah, they, no, I, I, there is not the only new mobs that I've seen for hostile mobs have been, well, the piglin brutes, 
uh, piglins, pillagers, uh, pillagers. The first one was the drowned. And, yeah. And it's like, well, they make a silly noise, but don't really phase me otherwise because <laughs> they're just zombies. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for me, I would argue the most interesting mob to fight is probably uh, honorable mention to shulkers. I will, I will definitely concede shulkers are kind of interesting. Uh, it's either endermen or guardians for me. Uh, because Endermen, of mm. course, teleport around everywhere. They hit really hard. Uh, you have the option of building yourself a shelter. You can just wait for them to run up, uh, you know, block with a shield, melee them back, and then wait for them to teleport back to you. Um, and sometimes their behavior kicks in and they just kind of stay near you the whole time, which can make them a little easier to fight. But you find a lot of people building shelters, and you also have the interesting aspect of them not being aggressive towards you unless you look at them directly, which is kind of an interesting... Uh, trigger for their neutrality changing to some more hostile behavior uh, guardians for me are interesting because they are a ranged uh, attacker that does not rely on a projectile they have that hit scan laser effect which once the laser charges up it is going to hit you no matter what so there's no dodging like you can with skeletons firing arrows at you um, and they are the only mob really where if you rush at them they tend to run away and stop attacking you instead of just attacking you even more they also have thorns which means you can you know take damage from doing melee damage to them there's a lot of interesting factors at play with both of those mobs with endermen and guardians um so i've been thinking about that and in ways of making new mobs more interesting to fight the attacks for all mobs basically fall into two categories, which is ranged or melee. Melee is pretty standard. You have to be up close to hit it, uh, and it has to be up close to hit you. And then ranged attackers kind of split into two categories, which is the projectiles, and I'm including shulkers in that, even though their projectiles move in mysterious ways. Uh, they are still projectiles after a fashion. They will track you. Um, and then the guardians have those those lasers which are you know constantly going to follow you and lock onto you uh, for want of a better term so you've really only got a couple of different attack styles to work with and everything can fall under one of those categories so movement is really often the key to making a mob interesting or frustrating depending on how you feel about endermen and that's why it's interesting that you know mobs like shulkers don't move at all um, and so that, that makes them kind of interesting to fight because their whole approach to combat is they move you, not you moving them or them moving. Right. They, I, I guess they teleport a little bit, but again, that's teleporting to a fixed location, which is often the outside of a building, which makes them kind of frustrating to fight as well. Um, and there is also the case of, in terms of Enderman, uh, this conditional neutrality. Uh, the same thing you see from both kinds of piglins or even naturally spawned iron golems it's the I don't attack you unless you attack me kind of thing. So there are definitely a few conditions that we can play around there that there are already examples of in the game. Um, and I was wondering how it would be possible to make new mobs interesting so that whenever the next mob, the next hostile mob gets added to Minecraft, it isn't just something that walks up to you and attacks you when it hits close range like zombies do. There are a few conditions at work there. You have drowned are neutral to you unless you're standing in water at least during the day they will attack you at night but during the day they don't tend to see anything that isn't in water uh, so that's an interesting behavior you have to avoid the water during the day but then ultimately they attack in the same way that zombies do husks have the addition of debuffing you with hunger uh, but aside from that they attack you just like zombies do and i was thinking about new ways of having mobs move uh, that isn't just like the slow march towards the player. 
and I was I I came across the idea of um like something like the Weeping Angels in Doctor Who, uh, where it doesn't move when observed, or alternatively could not take melee damage when it was observed. So you end up with this thing that's constantly kind of creeping up on you, and every time you turn your back on it, it gets closer to being able to damage you, which is unpredictable, or maybe could be predictable, but could lead to different ways of attacking it, like you effectively set traps behind yourself <laughs> in order to, uh, you know, to, to damage this thing if you can't damage it while you're not looking at it, or, or while you are looking at it, sorry. So there's there's like a couple of other possibilities that I think could be explored that would make the game a little bit more strategic and a little bit less like, you know, a melee fest when it comes to attacking the average mob. And I think some of that stuff needs to be applied in other dimensions because you kind of expect it from the end now. You expect the mobs to be to, to move in strange ways, to teleport around the place and to be a little bit harder to hit. Right. Yeah, the, the teleportation seems to be an end thing. A lot of the stuff in the nether is conditional. Well, I guess the... T well, no, about half of it. Because gas are going to shoot you no matter what. Uh, the magma cubes are going to attack you no matter what. But the... The zombie-fied piglin and the piglin are all conditional, with the exception of the new brutes. Yeah. So that's about an even split. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about when you mentioned um, the guardians and their unique uh, kind of way of doing things and how we were just saying that um, drowned are just another version of a zombie, it would be really interesting if the drowned had the ability to do the same thing that a magma block does underwater. So if, if you were traveling along and a drowned was underneath you and it could say, oh, I mean, I'm going to suck you down with some reverse bubbles because I can create that. That's part of my attack. I, and you were saying like, you know, instead of them moving, it would be them moving the player and sucking the player down to then grab them would be um, a way more interesting mechanic than what they do now, which is just float towards you very slowly. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff would be really cool. Um, as far as... Uh, other stuff like i it's funny before you even mentioned the weeping angels i'm not familiar with doctor who but i i know the kind of mechanic that you're talking about i was thinking about that for creepers and i was trying to decide if that going to be like op and like really frustrating if every time you turn around the creeper moves closer to you but or then then when you turn around to look at it it doesn't move and i don't know whether that would make them even worse than they are now <laughs> like even more annoying or whether it would be better i know i've seen some data packs out there that change creepers based on the biome yes so if, the, if the creeper is in like a savannah it's going to be a brown creeper as opposed yes. to a green one so it's not going to show up as much camouflage um, was one of the other things yeah. i was thinking of of like waking making mobs interesting and, and even kind of taking the 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 cue from shulkers that basically look like blocks you know organically they are mm -hmm. in this kind of shell that we then end up using as shulker boxes but you can hide a shulker in purple shulker boxes if you want to um if, if you can get it there in the first place and so having something that has a natural camouflage acts like a leaf block until it you know jumps down out of the tree oh, at you yeah. or something like that would be kind of fun would be silly and you know yeah imagine but, imagine something like an imp where it just looks like a stump, like it just looks like a, a tree stump, but it only moves towards you when you're not looking and you have to then catch it like sitting down. And that's the only indication that it's not a tree is yeah. that, that it moved just a little bit when you turned around super fast. I didn't think uh, of that, this before, be but kind of, yeah. I feel like silverfish are also technically camouflaged as blocks. 
and oh yeah that's right and i don't like them at all so maybe i'm no, I'm, I'm kind of i'm i'm justifying my worst enemy as my, no, my minecraft also a half long which is just more yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is not not good yeah i don't what um Trying to think about what else could you, like what else could be do for movement wise. Like we've got flight with the phantoms that we I'll use flight in quotation marks. It's it's kind of like swooping. falling with sw- swooping with intended style, but yeah. whether or not they achieve it, I don't know. Um, that kind of stuff. I don't know if I would want a deftly adept aerial component <laughs> to Minecraft. Uh, like if 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 the phantoms were like super good and fast at their job, I don't know if that would be enjoyable or just really frustrating. Yeah, and the, there's I, I if you think about it, there are they've they've managed to plumb the depths of this reasonably well already in terms of mm-hmm. putting a variety of mechanics into the game. You look at evokers who can't really attack you physically, but have that fang attack that goes through the floor and shower mm. you with vexes anytime they have an opportunity. Like that's an interesting enemy to attack because they're a little bit less predictable than the average the average mob and i think it can be really fun to fight those guys with the exception of vexes who are not fun to fight uh <laughs> but i think that that's more on a level of frustration rather than them being boring um yeah i i think what i would like to see is more stuff that attacks you in interesting ways that aren't just run up and melee and things like you know mobs being neutral unless you had a potion effect or if you didn't have a potion effect so you know if you have night vision then this thing isn't going to attack you but then if you don't have night vision then it does or something like that i i think there could be specific parts of the world maybe where stuff like that is is going to happen all the mobs are relatively rare the same way witch spawns are relatively rare because Otherwise, you'd have to go everywhere with night vision potions to avoid getting attacked by these things, which might get a little mm. inconvenient. But then again, might also justify the existence of certain types of potions. I'm thinking in particular of, you know, having a mob that you could only attack with lingering potions or something like that, kind of justifying the lingering cloud effect being in the game a little bit better for players who don't tend to use that all that much. But then I guess you've got to consider not having access to lingering potions until you've fought the dragon at least once where do those mobs reside? Are they out in the end islands? Is that something that could be included in a future end update? I feel like there's there's a lot of variety and a lot of conditional stuff that you can do to make mobs more interesting to fight, but then you've got to consider where that stuff falls into the gameplay progression and how difficult it's going to be at the beginning of the game. Yeah, and ideas like we've had before about bringing something like the Geomancer from dungeons to minecraft while it would match up with the evoker and the kind of mechanics that are used there uh you also kind of have to wonder like how frustrating or um unfun that would be for a player from a first person perspective compared Mm -hmm. to the top down gameplay in dungeons Uh, because i think an evoker would make for an interesting an interesting idea Uh, and i got there because i was thinking about zombies and what you could do with zombies and i don't know whether it would just cross a line that they don't want to cross in terms of of game design and and i don't want to say lore but um having a zombie that's able to attack you by summoning other zombies that come up at your feet you know like coming out of the ground grabbing yeah. your ankles and stuff like that like that's creepy but then again like does that cross the the it's gone from a a, a green monster that's walking towards me that's kind of cartoony to like there's a person buried underneath me that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. like it gets a little bit morbid so i don't know whether they want to cross because there's no graves currently right with with no. the zombies in game yeah. so i was wondering like that might uh, that would be cool though because if it, it would i think some of the things that they could do 
with current mobs without adding new ones would be in similar to dungeons they would add like the boss mob you know like the the head of the group so like make a big zombie you know mm -hmm. like what if what if um as what if a big hulking zombie slow as all the other zombies but when it's what what if it when it stomped on the ground it would then stun your movement you know so allowing the other zombies to catch up to you because every time it stomped if you were touching the ground at that point then you'd be stunned for a half second or something like that yeah. closing the gap ever so slowly like that would be kind of cool and plus it would give that it would give that visual variety that we don't have like r i mean skeletons are skinnier than zombies but everything's roughly the same height with the exception of the enderman right um they don't have distinct silhouettes so having something the size of an iron golem you know coming at you in a zombie horde knowing that that's the big zombie that you have to avoid that would add some fun a little bit of dread to the survival game but not like crazy it would just be oh okay this is a different challenge i have to be on my toes this time you know mm -hmm. definitely definitely a lot of a lot of thoughts to be had about the way these things can go forth and we don't know what the next update is going to be hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about that when minecon comes up next month but in the meantime that's going to be it for this episode of the spawn chunks we'd love to hear your thoughts about the stuff we've discussed today you can once again email the show uh the email for that will be coming up in just a second but in the meantime, you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud as ever to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, you can put some value back in by visiting patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. There, you can join our community, pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat, and contributes to our next milestone goal, which is having a monthly audio hangout with our patrons where we just shoot the breeze about what we've been doing in Minecraft and everyone else can contribute as well. Uh, we're currently at 212 patrons, which is up from last week. Thank you so much to everyone who has joined up in the last little while. And special thanks, as always, go to our content engineers, Cameron Sigelski, Dilken Seben, Greener Canuck, JD Williamson, and Yitz for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spun Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but a personal recommendation is by far the best way to share the podcast with friends. Email a friend, reach out on a Zoom call or a FaceTime call or whatever it is that you're doing to digitally hang out these days and let them know where they can listen to The Spun Chunks. It goes a long, long way. You can email the show at spunchunkmail at gmail.com. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. Leave us a star rating or a, or a review on the Apple Podcast app uh, or Spotify, your favorite podcast media platform. Really, that kind of stuff is just a great way for strangers to discover the show because they're looking for Minecraft, but they don't know where to find it. Uh, and that helps an awful lot. The RSS feed is linked on thespawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That is the only place you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixorifs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for Survival Guide, which is mostly in the nether getting ancient debris these days. I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. And aside from that, I'm at Pixorifs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I'm doing online is at joelduggan.com. Links to social media, links to other things that I do, including the Citadel Cafe, my podcast all about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. And of course, you can find me at joelduggan on social media and twitch.tv slash joelduggan, where I am playing satisfactory Minecraft, doing live art, 
uh, doing uh, some emote design there, and I'm looking for some other games. So if you've got some ideas, uh, chime in. That's twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, but only if it's observed.